Welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela. Caffeinated, rested, living my life. And I am so excited and grateful to introduce my lovely co-host, Mr. Dave Yates. Well, I'm here. I'm all the things. I'm all the things. I'm rested, caffeinated. I got a, I got a <laughs> lime topo chico. That's the sponsor we really need. Is lime oh, topo chico. yes. I uh, ooh, a lime topo chico, mm-hmm. a grapefruit topo chico. I'm enjoying some coffee and some uh, liquid IV. Sponsor mm-hmm. for another podcast yeah. in my household, uh, which is a basically it's an electrolyte packet that tastes like candy. It's delicious. So uh, yeah, now we're promoting other people's shit. Uh, <laughs> offer code lady to lady. Um, and get yourself a manscape offer code 12 Qpod. Uh, yeah, we're selling those two. Yes. Oh gosh. What ridiculous. We are very drive time radio right now. This is, this is podcast ass podcast shit. This is amazing. Nice. Dave, can you, can you read our uh, clarity statement for us? Sure can. Welcome to 12 questions. We're a podcast. Where we believe growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AANA or any other 12 step organization where 12 questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people happen to be in recovery to want to give hope to anyone struggling although some of our guests may be clean and sober some of them are not or choose not to divulge the purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others we only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening yeah all right we are very stoked for today's guest and all of our guests introduce themselves because okay. we want to give people the opportunity to be anonymous if they like who are we speaking with today Okay. Uh, my name is Julia. Uh, I am sober and guys, honestly, I think I beat you both for being the alcoholic in the room with a caffeine drink and a LaCroix and a water. So I don't know how long we're going to be recording for, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm like, um, I've got all I the finished drinks. a topo before. It's not a competition. It's not a competition. I'm just I think saying, it might be Julia. We're definitely, mm-hmm. I definitely brought the drinks to the party. We are a vape away from a meeting right now. That yeah. is, yeah. Uh, yeah. that is, that is amazing. Um, yes. You and I can hang. That's very much my vibe. I, yeah. I, I gotta have my coffee. Gotta have my, my Bev. And gotta have also something that bubbles in my mouth. I, I have yeah, to have yeah. I have to have the sensation of it all. It's amazing. Yeah, it's okay. amazing. And you had mentioned your podcast before. Would you like to promote that up top? Sure. Yeah. My I write raps, rap lyrics under the name of MC Lil J. That's my Instagram. And I have a podcast called Rap on Tap, uh, where we discuss MC Lil J lyrics. So they're my lyrics, and I have two guests on. And we go through one of the songs each week and go line by line. It actually only comes out every other week, every two weeks, like payday uh, on Tuesdays. 
And um, I'd love to have both of you guys on sometime as guests. So maybe after the show, we can figure that out. That is so amazing. I've been doing a lot of traveling and um, I I have this new sponsee and I finally said like, hey, what is your um, what, what kind of music do you listen to? And they were like hip hop. And I was like, "Okay, great. And uh, I said, I'm going to send you some, uh, just some songs like every day. I'm going to send you some songs. And I've been obsessing over this line in like an old atmosphere album where he says, um, this head isn't going to fuck itself. And I'm just like, yes, yes. Like, it's like, come on, girl, grab a drink off the shelf because this, this, uh, this head isn't going to fuck itself. And I'm like, yes. And I just, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, Well, I will say uh, rap on tap uh, episode number four is a sobriety song. (gasps) Uh, I don't think only sober people can appreciate it much like your podcast. Yeah. But uh, it's a really neat song. And I had a couple of sober guests on and we uh, talked about it. It's really, really cool. Oh, that's, so that's amazing. episode four. It's called Epic Nasty on uh, Rap on Tap. Fuck yes. Ah, this is amazing. Dave, cool. always bringing me in the presence of women that I, I just adore. Yeah, Dave and I met at a music festival. Mm-hmm. Ooh, which, which one? Is this a fish? Was it Phases? Phases of the Moon. Yeah, down in uh, Danville, Illinois. Yeah. I think a, that was the only one year. Shot, yeah, it was a one-shot festival. It rained and it took yeah. forever to get in, and then it was great, and then they never did it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like uh, putting together. I, I just did a comedy festival, and um, they asked me to be their flex. Now it wasn't like a you know I didn't submit. They were like mm, your talent. I was like okay, so I got to do this festival and. Uh, it does seem like um, the quickest way to having a mental breakdown is to run a festival of some sort, whether it's music or comedy. I'm or sure whatever. this guy was stressed out the whole weekend. It was cold. It was rainy. It was muddy. The getting, getting everyone in, there was one small road in and one road out. It was a camping festival. And it I mean, the logistics of it were, were really bad, but we had a great time. It was really neat. There was a ton of cool art. Uh, the bands were really good. Um, it was neat. We had, we had, it was a really neat time. It was cool. They had like a whole yoga tent and sound bath. Like it was, it was neat. It was one this of the is, coolest festivals I've been to. This is by the way, the festival of my dreams that, cause mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, you have a yoga tent and a sound yeah. bath. Cause mama needs yeah. to stretch her back before she goes to dance for, yeah. you most, know, a few hours. Most modern festivals have a lot of that, uh, wellness, stuff <gasps> not Lollapalooza <laughs> well I mean that's not a that's not a fucking music festival that's just everybody shows up in Grant Park and fucking yells yeah rages yeah yeah the last I time I was at there. Lollapalooza I was, I was fucking drunk on so much vodka and I pushed my way to the front for nine inch nails <clears throat> and then I I got squished so I had to climb out I passed out on the steps and then I I woke up while they started playing a hurt and I ran back into the crowd. Like I oh, literally I had just like almost died and I'm like, Time to rally. yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, let's get into this. Okay. How do you experience surrender? Um, so I read the questions a little bit, but I didn't want to like prepare too sure. much for this. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I mean, how do I experience surrender? So my higher power is a huge part of my program. I've been sober since January 1st of 2010. 
Um, Hell so yeah. It's, it's just one day, but like I've been yeah. doing it a little while and, um, you know, uh, like I couldn't do it without my higher power. And at the beginning, my higher power was a tree in my backyard. And now my higher power is then for a while, my higher power was like everywhere and everything. And now my higher power is like in me, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where I feel like, um, I feel like that's where the surrender comes because I'm not doing this alone and I don't have to do it alone. And I have the fellowship and that's great. And I couldn't do it without the fellowship either. But, um, you know, I turn my will over. I literally have gotten to a point where when things happen, like I was in a meeting recently and my coffee cup had a hole in it and it, and it's like leaking. And what a nightmare. Yeah, it's like this. Everyone, I literally, here was my attitude. Oh, I guess God wants me to get up and walk across the room right now. Mm-hmm. Like I literally like that was where my mind went. And that is like a miracle. Cause yeah, before I would have been like motherfucking it or like, just why, why is it or mad mm-hmm. at the house? Why did you buy these defective cups or like, who knows what, you know, drama I could have made up. And I literally was like, okay, like this is, this is my work to do right now. I need to go get another cup, clean this up, dump it out, move on, you know? Amazing. And so like that for me, not that I'm like a guru or something. I mean, I've worked really hard. I do a lot of meditation and I know that's one of the other questions that I wanted to answer, but I mean, surrender for me is literally just uh, higher power all day, mm. you know, conscious contact. Love it. So what is the most insane moment you've had either in recovery or before recovery? So mm. this could be either or insane, good, insane, bad. Yeah. So that's the thing. Cause there's insane, amazing. And there's insane. Like, is there another question about what was your bottom? I can't remember. Um, no, there, I mean, there's some questions down at the back end of this, like what's a surprising amends you've had to make things like that. So this is really your choice to go war story, which everybody loves or insane good story, which everybody loves. Yeah. Everybody loves. Um, I, I guess the one that came to my mind when I first read the question is, um, this did not get me sober, but it happened maybe like a year before I got sober. Mm -hmm. Um, my husband and I were driving and we had our two kids were in the minivan with me. My kids at this time were maybe like three and six. And um, this is probably in 2008, nine, eight or nine, probably nine. Mm-hmm. And um, he was driving separately in his car. I've got the kids and we stop at a rest stop. We like talk on the phone. We're like, let's all pull off here. And we go in and I come out and I like can't do the rest of the drive without getting high. So I go around the back of the rest stop little building mm-hmm. to smoke some weed. I come back out. This is the days of the one hitter, which apparently nobody uses anymore. I think it's ah! one hitters were fucking amazing. You know, you just pull it out. You take your one, especially for an addict, because you just can like constantly keep doing it all day long. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> So I got high, come around the side of the building and my husband's like, where were you? And I was like, oh, I guess I walked out the back door. I don't know if you've been in a lot of rest rest stops, but sometimes there's like a front Mm -hmm. door and you can go out the back. Yeah. Yeah. And he looks at me and he goes, there's not a back door on this building. 
And I was mm. like, good, good, good observation. Wow. <laughs> You're right. There's not. And he's like, I'm taking the kids in the car with me. And I remember just being like, wow, that's kind of whack. Like, you yeah. know, um, that's not probably how I wish that would go. Like, I wish I would have either not gotten caught or, um, I don't know. It just was really unsettling. And, mm-hmm. um, that did not make me get sober. I mean, I had, I have, I've had crazier shit, but that one really, that one really got to me. And, and I don't know, I don't know. That sticks with me. Caught red handed. That is the, it's, it's an interesting bit of surrender to be like, well, I fucked up. But on the other hand, to live through those consequences. And that's what that was. That was instant consequences. Yeah. I did not, I would, I would did not feel proud of myself in that moment. You know, yeah. um, I don't know, but it wasn't enough to make me stop. You know that what is. I mean? But it, so I don't know. That's, it's such a weird thing. You know, um, when you talk to people trying to get sober, it's like, you know, you don't know what that one thing is going to be. That's going right. to say like, okay, now. I snapped right. a light pole in half, got a DUI, and thrown in jail. I was bailed out the next morning at 7 a.m., and I walked directly to the ATM to pull out money to pay my buddy back, and then we got a handle of whiskey and continued to drink for three yep. days. Mm-hmm. Yep. I literally snapped a light pole in half with my car, mm-hmm. and then I kept drinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. Yeah, yeah. No. What is um, What has been you know, it it did take a decision, you know, you, even if maybe the decision to, to get clean started that day, but it just took a while to mature, you know, So my, my decision, I mean, I know this isn't like a specific question or maybe Mm -hmm. it is, but, um, no, it is. It's literally, how do you make decisions? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good. So I'll tell you in 2008, I'm a huge Beastie Boys fan. Okay. Mm, So this is a big, this is a big part of my life. And they have a song called Bodhisattva Vow. Part of the fun for me with Beastie Boys is like looking shit up and being like, who's Sarahara O? You know, like, I want to know who that mm-hmm. is. Like, what's Bodhisattva even fucking mean? You know? Mm-hmm. So I looked it up and uh, it's, there's a book and I got it and I read it. Bodhisattva Vow. It's like po- Buddhist poetry. And the Bodhisattva is someone who reaches enlightenment but then decides to stay back with everybody to help others. Okay. Mm -hmm. Instead of just going on to enlightenment Mm -hmm. And in 2008, I wrote in the front of this book and I was like, I wrote the date and I was like, this is what I'm doing. Uh, I'm in the height of my drinking. I'm a fucking wreck. I'm getting busted by my husband smoking weed with my kids in the car. And I'm sure God was literally like laughing, you know, tell God your plans. He was probably like, you cannot even help yourself right now. But he was like, but, you know, God led me to AA and AA led me to God. So God was like, if you really want to help some people, I will help you to help some people. So I went down a two-year path of hitting my bottom and uh, got sober. And so I do actually think that that was part of the process, even as early as 2008, God was putting the ball in motion for me of like, I'm going to get you to where you need to be. If this is what you really want to do, you know, I, that's how I feel about it. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. How do you make decisions today? Like, how does decision making play out for you now? Um, I mean, I always pray about it. I remember there's so many like key moments in life, you know. I remember when my son was in preschool, uh, when he was four, and we, uh, I was trying to decide if he he was old for his age or he was mm. like young. And I was trying to decide if I should maybe hold him back a year in preschool so that then he would have been like the very oldest one instead of being the very youngest one. Mm-hmm. And this mom at the preschool, like, you know, I'm like, I don't know, preschool mom. She's like, well, if it was my husband and I, we would like go in a room quietly together and, 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 and remembering I'm not sober at this point. Okay. I'm drinking and whatever. She said, we'd go in a room quiet together and pray about it and then decide. And I mm. remember being like, oh my God, she just said pray. Like, I was like, mm. can you say pray? Is anyone listening? Did someone hear her? Like, this is so weird. Like she right. said, pray. And like, it awakened something in me that I was like, maybe that's okay. And I grew up with a religious background. I went to Catholic school. I mean, I was but no one was telling me about a personal relationship with a higher power, you know, or about this like loving God that could like help me make decisions, you know, that when I don't know what to do. A lot of the times you feel like an underling of God in those environments. Like it's not like a relationship. It's like a, it's like you're a crony, if that makes sense. Well, I all of a sudden was like, okay, there's something. And I didn't immediately start praying. Um, so when I would get high, I would sit and look at the tree in my backyard and be like, it's me and you, God. Like, I literally thought God, like, invented weed for my pleasure. And, like, everybody <laughs> else was just, like, in my way. Like, I was like, fuck all these people, right, God? Like, what's their problem? They don't want me smoking your weed. Um, so, I mean, it went sideways for a while until I kind of got. But now when I make decisions, I mean, it's always prayer first. Um, call my sponsor. God love sponsors, sponsor mm. lady, you know, and I've had three great sponsors and, um, I call them, um, you know, for me, I write about stuff. I write rap songs about shit that's happening in my life. And, um, you know, that that's it. It's, it's gotta be like, how does this fit with my program? My sobriety comes first. Um, if it's something that's pushing me away from my higher power or closer to drinking, I'm not going to do it, you know? Support for 12 Questions Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 12QPOD. That's 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Imagine having a sleek and well-designed, optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the details on the 4.0 are next level. I used other trimmers in the past, and I've nicked my balls plenty of times. And you all know the pain of nicking your balls. Ouch. Not to mention, afterwards, the sweat, the stinging. It's just not a good time. 
Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible, comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to run the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. Did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball, hair, and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. I mean, that takes a lot of self-knowledge over the years. Like, I mean, has it been like that since the beginning? Or like, what's, I guess, what's the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself throughout your recovery journey? I think the most surprising thing is literally just how powerful I am. I feel like what's that like Maya Angelou quote or whoever it is that's like, people aren't afraid of like what they can't do. They're afraid of realizing like how great they actually are. Mm. It's, It's like some quote like that. And I always was like, that's weird. No one should think they're great. But like, I honestly now, like, I think I'm great and I have power. It's not, it's not me. It's from my higher power that I like mm-hmm. to spend all my time trying to connect with and channel. And, um, I have character and that looked like at the beginning, I would call my sponsor. You guys, I tell this story all the time. No one loves this story as much as I do. So if you end up cutting this out, it's fine with me. But my first sponsor, when I would call her, she wouldn't say hello or hi, Julia, or what's going on, or this is Melissa. She would say, what are you doing today to keep yourself sane and sober? And she, would put it, she would put it on me. You have a disease. Tell me what you're doing today to take care of it. And mm-hmm. I would be like flustered. Like, I'd be like, uh, I mean, she'd be like, did you get on your knees and ask for help this morning? I'd be like, yeah, I did. And she'd be like, okay, great. And I'm like, oh, I did something right. And then she'd be like, you're calling your sponsor, right? And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. yes. Yep. I'm calling you. She'd be like, are you going to go to a meeting today? And I'll be like, I went at noon or yeah, I'm going at eight tonight. And she'd be like, okay, you're going to a meeting. Did you read any literature? Like she would, she would walk me through the actual, like those are the tools. When people say like you get tools, that's what they are. Asking for help, calling your sponsor, going to a meeting. They'll, that's what's in the toolbox for me. And so I use those tools that was ingrained in me making gratitude lists. Ah, oh, I'm so big on a gratitude list. Uh, and personal growth for me looks like this. I used to make the gratitude list of like, what's great, like whatever, you know, and now I make it, I know, cause my sponsor always would tell me make a gratitude list, you know, and I don't even need to call anybody at this point. I'm like, I should probably make a gratitude list and shit will be bothering me through the day. Like there were sand in the sandwiches at the beach. The blueberries spilled. My mom. Wait a minute. Wait, you're telling me sand got into the sandwiches at the beach. You know, when you go to the beach, 
One of my most one of my most frustrating memories as a kid was going to Morro Bay, the coldest beach in California and wind blowing into my salami sandwich and my parents being like, eat your sandwich. And I'm like, there's so much sand in the sandwich. It's real. It's the worst. Struggle is real. And I then sat down and made my gratitude list. And what did I put on it? Fucking sand in sandwiches, blueberries, mom. You know what I mean? When I started to be grateful, even for the stuff that was like, supposedly my problem, I was like, wow, this shit works. You know, like, I I mean, it didn't happen quick overnight, but like over time I started to just, you know, be appreciative. I don't know. That's really big for me. It's a shift between being used to being like, oh, why me? Why me? To why not me? I mean, when bad things happen to me, I don't like them. Like, no one relishes in the bad shit that happens. But, like, I don't know. I'm more equipped to handle bad shit than most people because of all or the shit that maybe I've it's actually through. not bad shit. Maybe, like, you fell I've down. Had some, I've had some bad shit happen to me that's cl- clearly bad shit. But, like, yeah. it's I, I, I don't go woe is me anymore. Like, I'm strong enough to handle it. Like, like my father dying at 59 of cancer was bad shit. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend like it's not bad shit, but I'm glad I could walk through it and stay sober and get therapy and to tell people you can stay sober through the worst pain in your life. Yeah. You know, so it's still bad shit, but it's like I can take the bad shit and and, and it made me stronger, which is inherently a positive consequence. Like I like talking about consequences as both being positive and negative. Like the negative consequence is like my heart is broken constantly. The positive consequence is like I can still I can help someone. Like I've become yeah. the death dude in recovery because people call me and they, they want to know what to do when their dad dies. And you know that is a positive consequence, but like it doesn't doesn't change the fact that like sometimes the bad shit is always just bad shit. It's like, what do I do with it? And that's the difference in recovery. I went on this retreat one time and they were like, they sent us out to do a nature walk. And they were like, when you go out, walk around and don't fucking label anything. I'm sorry. I keep cursing. Is it okay to curse on this show? Fuck. Yeah, it is. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) Can't talk today. It would be like, you know, um, Instead of there's a green, a little green leaf, leaf, instead of like, there's a tall, strong tree, tree, instead of like, oh, there's a cool breeze, just wind breeze. And it really opened my eyes to how much we do label stuff as good or bad or positive or negative or helpful or hurting. And I do try Okay. I'm not always successful at it to just look at things like for what they are, you know, that they're events, they happen Mm -hmm. and not try to constantly put them in a category Mm -hmm. because I don't know what great, God has great fucking plans for me. I, I believe that. So that's my belief. And so I can't, I don't know how he's working it out. You know, I'm not saying that I don't have control. I have all the choices, but I'm just saying, I try not to think about, uh, it's more like I feel closer to God at this time. I feel farther away. And sometimes the painful things that I think maybe could fall in that bad court category, bring me closer than ever to my higher power. 
So that, I don't know. I don't know what it all means. I don't know. But I try not to label stuff. For sure. And that's, you know, for me, I, I share in meetings. One When my dad passed away, I angry shared in meetings. And I was just like, don't come up to me and tell me where you think my fucking dad is. Yeah. You know, yeah. Help me create boundaries, which is a pop thing. You know, well, a, 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 anytime you're hurting, you're just trying to maintain and get to the other side. You know, and then it's like, then you got to rebuild. Like, I, I mean, I was grateful for the pandemic because I'm a workaholic and then it shut, the world shut down and my life spun out of control because I wasn't on a plane or in a comedy club or in a car. So I had to go get therapy. I had to go get help because it was, it was a power, it was a power greater than me. The grief was, you know, and, um, I, I always maintain in, in, in any of the 12 step rooms that people go into, like, you can stay so completely hate whatever you think God is, you know? You can use good orderly direction of the group. Use honesty, open-mindedness, yeah. and willingness. And then after therapy, after a year's worth of therapy, I came to the decision that I was going to put down the spear against my higher power. And that's what that looked like for me. You know, I, I needed to absolutely despise the God cup. And this is seven, you know, seven years sober. You know, it had to be smashed to shit to be whatever it is now. You know, um, and I think the, the, the rebuilding uh, phases that we go through life, you know, they have to be it. Uh, like, it's okay. It's okay broken. Yeah. It's okay to have 7, 10, 20 years and be completely destroyed and have to yeah. rebuild. Because that, everybody thinks they're, they're supposed to live in this brick shit house as soon as they sign up for sobriety. And that's not the case. Sometimes you build the house as good as as you can. It's a brick in a shit house. Comes. I don't even. I, is that bad or good? I, I'm like, I'm no, not, a let's not label so it. So brick but shit I don't house. Know what that means. So a, a brick shit house is essentially uh, when toilets weren't indoors. Like you could build like a brick shit house. Like a like so someone like a big dude can be compared as built that's, brick shit house. That's how I've heard like, it. Yeah. It, it but the shit house is brick, so it doesn't get knocked over. But you it's know? still so a it's shit like, house. Yo, it's still so, full of shit. Oh yeah. So, okay. So is it, is it like a compliment? Well, you if you're built like a brick shit house, you're sturdy. Yeah, de okay. yeah, depend depending on how how like it you don't is want used. a weak yeah. shit house. Like you don't want you <laughs> yeah. don't want your you don't want your outhouse okay. to be weak and then the wind blows all the shit all over the place. You want it to be okay. fortified. Okay. Okay. It's holding okay. dookie. Okay. 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 <sighs> We've gone off the rails here, guys. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I, just, I can't I just wait till this, this ends up in a rebuild. song. The space to rebuild is, is crucial no matter what type of recovery you do or don't do. You know, And that's what you were saying. It's just like you don't look at things as bad or good. And it just takes time sometimes. It takes yeah. time sometimes to, to, to put on the pair of glasses that you need to change the perception surrounding whatever it is you're dealing with, whether it be good. Right good insane bad insane like the previous question so yeah. um yeah that's great brick shit house i learned something new today yes well i you know i i first off i i grew up around uh people are always like anna why do you speak like an old timey person? And I'm like, I grew up in a very small town. So brick shit house, I'd heard a lot. So oh, it was okay. nice to hear the breakdown of brick shit house. <laughs> okay. uh, You're welcome. Thank you for coming to my Ted talk on outhouses <laughs> on outhouses. Yeah. What is your level of honesty in your life today? 
Oh, man. I mean, obviously, that's the goal, right? Honestly, right. Um, I I try to be really like, I feel like this word is overused, but authentic and basically true to myself. Uh, you know, our coins say to thine own self be true. I, I didn't even really know what that meant. I mean, before I got sober, I didn't know who I was what I liked, what I didn't like. I didn't know what my feelings were. I just drank it, you know? And um, so I've had to get to know myself. And as I've got to know myself and my higher power and my power that I have, um, you know, I try to just be really honest and I try to keep my sense of humor. And that is my biggest Thing that trips me up personally is I tend to go on the serious side and um, I notice when I'm feeling that tightness in my stomach, it's usually because I'm taking myself too damn seriously, you know, rule 62. And um, I, I have to keep a sense of humor about things and to be and, and that's how I do my honesty is through a little bit of comedy and like, you know, just like, I mean, Dave, I'm sure can relate to this, you know, uh, well, know comedians are basically news reporters, but they're, they're saying it in a funny way so that yeah. it goes down a little easier. And, yeah. and I do the same kind of People thing. People don't I mean, want to hear the news of, anymore. <laughs> I don't yeah. I do. I literally had commentary. a lady scream at a show this past weekend. I, all And I have this whole bit that I've been working on. And I go, I live in California, and we have a governor named Gavin Newsom, and he's a dillweed. I said dillweed. And this lady goes, no, he's not. And the, like, literally yells it out in a mostly, like, quiet room because everybody's paying attention. Yeah. Like, I, all I said was he's a Gavin Newsom is a dillweed. I didn't say anything heavy political. I didn't say recall him. I didn't. I, I literally was setting up this punchline and this le this old lady's like i live in california yeah. right. and just like sh like what the fuck lady you can't even let me get to the funny like no one wants to hear the news anymore that's Do you the guys problem. know the comedian mark normand yeah i know mark yeah, yeah I, I think he does a really good job of it i mean i've only seen some of your clips uh so i can't like they're speak all to bad them as well they're all I, bad. I i like what i've seen <laughs> but I, i've seen a lot of his and he he does it really well he navigates some of those tough topics without uh, somehow offending i don't know no no i try mark, to do the same mark thing. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to give a really positive message and get spread some hope people don't want to hear that really either to no. be honest and no, so people people only want to hear what they it. already believe that's yeah. the that's that that well, people only want to hear the shit that they already believe. I, th that's, that's I think they also want to hear authenticity. You know, like I, I was doing that festival this weekend and it was a very specific demographic of the audience. And I was watching better comedians than me struggle. And it was interesting because the thing I, I was like, the one thing I can do is I can go on the stage and just be very honest. Yeah. And so I literally went up and I said, listen, I, I, my favorite thing to do, knowing there's no Latinos in the crowd is to go, where are my Latinos at? And then everybody started laughing. And then I was like, Hey, like, 
just so you know, I'm not related to any of you. I'm not your, I'm not bringing shame upon your community. So let's have some fun. And I just made it my mission to connect. You know, I might not have the best set of the night, but I woke that room up and that's what they needed. Yeah, that's great. You know, and so it's like doing, it's doing that. I think authenticity really rings true to people, especially in a world where there's so much that is performative. Sure. In yeah. the rooms as well, like that's the thing. Like you, the longer you stay sober, if you if you choose, if your path of recovery is twelve step rooms, you know, uh, you know when you're hearing dog shit, and you know when you're hearing legit shit. It's just the way it is. Like you, 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 you do it long are, enough. The stuff you think is dog shit, those people think they were being honest too. <laughs> that might surprise you, but they think. They're doing their best. It's crazy. Oh, everybody's doing their best. They think they're being genuine. I know it's frustrating. I literally had an old man walk across the room after sharing about my father dying and tell me that maybe if I listened more, I'd get something out of the meeting when I was just literally sharing that I'm hanging on for dear life and my sobriety means a lot to me, but the grief is just overbearing. So it's just like, Mm -hmm. there are sick people that hide inside the rooms and it's what keeps most people away from 12 step recovery, you know? And I just would, would, would caution you that like, yeah, that's a total dick move. I mean, no one's going to, say that that was like the right thing to say at the time but like i just feel like it's an opportunity for you to practice deeper forgiveness and grow oh no i've forgiven this man he's a sad i know but i'm just saying like that that's it sucks it fucking sucks you know what i mean but like we're running our own race you know what i mean like we're these people are just there to help us grow that's what i think i just feel like i'm on a growth path and everything that I come in contact with oh, for is sure. a growth. Oh, I yeah. don't know. And like, that's, I can tell that story for the growth of me and for those that come, they're coming up, you know, that I still hang around to talk to. It's just like, you don't have to take shit from people like this. Like, you yeah. can stand up for yourself and be like, mm, uh, our leaders are but trusted servants. They don't govern. So I don't know why you're telling me maybe I should listen more in this meeting. I got seven I got seven years in this business, and I'm just hurting real bad. So take a step back. And that, yeah. that's the thing is because that, that there, is, there is something to be said about knowing yourself, being honest with your pain, being open and willing to know that, that, that not everybody is in the same place. That, that's a sick dude. That's a sick dude. Did I hit him in the mouth? No, did I think about it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love the program. That's why I love the spiritual progress that I've made. Is because pre sobriety Dave would have popped that old man in the mouth. Yeah. Wow. You know, and then current sobriety Dave has enough pause when agitated to be like, mm, nope. Yeah. You're wrong. It's You're not wrong. Worth it. Exactly. And that's honestly, I stick around the room sometimes just to just to be around for the people that need to hear that not everybody in the rooms is sane. And we're all just trying to do it one day at a time together. So right, like, right. you know, don't 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 leave before the miracle happens, because it's like you got a lot of people out there that are just sick. Like I had a guy that used to make fun of me in the rooms, and he used to rip on me and we were not friends. And he would just and his his guys was Oh, you're a comedian and you can't take a joke. And I'm like, man, we're not friends. Like, I don't know you like that. Like, and my sponsor told me that, like, this guy, and I, I almost said his name, he's not going to listen. But anyway, so like, this dude used to be a piece of shit biker and he used to steal and rob and stab people. And the way he is today is not good, 
but this is the best he's ever been. And who am yeah. I to say that this is not the best that man has ever been? And, yeah. that, and that's that's what it boils down for me. You know, it's just like you're, you're going to have interactions with people and this is the best he's ever been. It's still not good, but this is better than he's ever been at 12 years, 13 years, wow. you know? It's a process. We're all on a journey. We're doing it. And we're on the same sinking ship together. That's what people people forget to realize. Is My ship's on, not sinking. I'm not on, on a sinking ship. I'm mm -hmm. not sinking. <laughs> I'm not on your boat. I <laughs> love Julia. You were just, you were just like, mm -mm, no, no. Listen, we're going to have a positive. Okay. Yes. Yes. And I, I love what you said about, um, about exercising that forgiveness because there is, I think there is a, and in this, you know, leads into the fear and anxiety question. I think there was a lot of fear and anxiety for many years of my recovery, whether or not I was riding the line of being a doormat or being a spiritual person, right? Like facing conflict and, um, and, uh, coming into like, like coming into moments where I could hit force with force, but being more um, understanding. And, you know, what was so funny is I had a, I had a recent, um, I had a recent uh, experience with, I, I've been training in martial arts since I had like 90 days and um, it's a, it's a big part of my spiritual like learning about letting go and like practicing the third step and learning how to trust. And, you know, it's, it's uh, for me, the threat of getting punched sometimes really helps me kind of like center and be in the moment. And I'm, I'm good at it. And I used to teach and I used to compete and there is a, um, there is a, uh, a, a new sensei in town who is, um, He's a different guy. And um, and he meets Is he like the karate kid sensei. He's a little Cobra Kai. Yeah, he's okay. got like oh, real. He's not LaRusso because like LaRusso turns out well, to be Well, now they've dickhead. done the switch. Yeah, they flipped but, well, exactly. old, old school. Whichever machismo person is in the machismo at the moment, like he's got a lot of aggression. And I used to be the bruiser in the class. Like I was the smallest person and I used to be like the bouncer. Because I could just like fuck a dude up. And there's something about fucking a dude up when you're like a five, four little woman, you know, that makes them listen. And um, so, but now I have an injury. I'm almost 40. Like I'm, it's a different world for me in my practice. And he kept encouraging me and almost trying to force me to meet his force with his force, meet force with my force. And a woman pulled me aside and she said, what are you doing? You don't have to do it like that. Even if he tells you, you have to do it like that. He doesn't, you do it the way that is safe for you, safe for your body and safe for him. Cause you can clobber him girl. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I had to take a moment. I had to take a walk. I had to take that pause when agitated. And then a couple of weeks goes by and the big sensei comes down to do a little seminar. And it turns and he turns to these guys that I was so resentful for. Like, it has been years since I've woke up motherfucking a person. And I was like, the, but the difference is, is at 18 years, I know that like 
I know what to do. So I literally called my sponsor and I was like, I have to pray for this fool. And she was like, yeah, you do. And I was like, I got to pray for this fool. This is, but I did. I, I stay praying for fools. <laughs> I stay praying for fools. So I, so I prayed for him. And then I go to this seminar and the, the guy in charge of all of us turns to this dude that had really been a pain in my ass. And he says, I don't know what you're doing, man, but you got to start looking at how Anna does it because she's doing it right. Wow. Great. And I didn't have to get mad. I didn't have yeah. to have a tantrum. I didn't have to get into my anger to protect myself. And I didn't slip into fear and anxiety, which used to be the engine for all of those character defects for me. Totally. My question is, is how do you experience fear and anxiety? Um, it's so funny. Yeah. Cause I saw this on the list of questions. Um, I, if you, if, Literally like a week ago, if you would have said, do you have anxiety? I would have been like, no, I don't. And I would have believed that answer. Like I would have been like, no, I don't get anxiety. Mm -hmm. But I thought about it and I was like, I do actually get anxiety. I get nervous before my podcast and I get nervous before big concerts and mm -hmm. I get shaken if I have an argument with my husband, like, you know, mm -hmm. um, there are things that do cause me anxiety. I don't, I don't label it anxiety. You know what mm. I mean? I don't look at it like, uh, you know, like it would never occur to me to be like, oh, maybe I should take an anxiety medicine. Not because I'm, mm. mm -hmm. I'm not against medications, but like, it, it wouldn't have clicked with me. Like, you know, you have a headache, you're like, take an leave or whatever. I wouldn't have been like, oh, this feeling, I can't stand it. I need that thing. Um, I just look at it as like a, like rough moment. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like obvious that of course there's going to be moments where I'm feeling more of a strong reaction to my environment mm. than others, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and then it's like, how do I get through that? Do I do some breathing? Do I mm. call my sponsor? You know, it's just right back to the tools. Do I sit down and do a meditation? Um, do I read some spiritual texts? Do I burn some incense? Do I play some music? It's like, what do I need to do to get back to my center for peace? Um, my goal is literally just to be of service all the time and to be helpful. And so anything that's taking me out of being that, I, I, I look at it more of like, I am not effective right now, as opposed mm. to like, I have anxiety. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so yeah. it's not something that's happening to me. It's, it's something I have control over. Like, I'm not effective right now. How do I get back to my, my strength? Right. I, I love that. I, I think that's definitely a way that I've, um, that I've, uh, identified what's going on. You know, it's like, oh, I'm not being effective right now. What's happening? Am I frustrated? Am I angry? Am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I, you know, um, am I anxious? You know, I have an anxiety disorder. So that's how that ended up on the Real. questions. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it is interesting. Cause I had to, you know, eventually I broke down and I, you know, I saw therapists and then I got a doctor who was like, maybe just a little bit of some Zoloft will make you get, you know, get you through the day, mama, sure. you yeah. know? And, um, 
And, and I haven't had a panic attack since, but for so many, for example, I acted out on a character defect last night and it's been a minute and I turned on, it's a defect that I had poor boundaries. I, when I was a kid, my parents used to say, don't ever tell Anna a secret because she'll just tell somebody right away. And somebody opened up a phone call with, Hey, I need to, you can't tell anybody this. And then I was in front of my stepmom, and the person was on speakerphone. I was like, girl, you wouldn't even believe what he just told me. And he is like, Anna. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, and I immediately was like, how can I make that right? I violated your boundary. I respect your anonymity. I understand that if I, I've injured the trust in our friendship you know, please let me know any other ways I can make it right. He was like, you need to calm down. It wasn't that big a deal, but I was really beating up on myself. And as I was driving away and I went to a meeting over zoom and then I, I called my sponsor and what, what was occurring to me is that I had feelings in my body because I'd done a show. I was supposed to stay with my stepmom. She reported not feeling well. I had to crash on a friend's house. I, accidentally slipped on a pillow my friend's cat had peed on and because I was so exhausted and I couldn't find where the cat pee smell was coming from. And then I woke up and I was like, oh no, it's coming from inside my pillow. (laughs) And I was like furious and and I didn't sleep very well. And then I got in the car and I went to see my stepmom and she told me she was going to get the COVID test and she didn't get the COVID test. And I was you know, we were 10 feet apart and masked up, but I'm, I love her dearly. Both my parents are dead. I love her dearly. And I was a little frustrated with her. And when I was there, she noticed she had a fever and I was like, get the fucking test. And so, um, so what it, but sometimes it just takes me a moment to, you know, when, when Dave said pause when agitated, sometimes I just need to pause. I don't even realize I'm agitated. Because what's going to happen is something's going to pop out sideways and I just need to identify like, what's the feeling? Maybe I don't have to label it, but like, what's the feeling? What am I, you know, what's, what's, what's the, what's the fuel? What do you, I think it's more like, what do you need right now in this moment? Yeah. I needed a nap and a hamburger bad. Yeah. 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 And then if you know, yeah, I'm going to go get a burger after this. I don't know. I know for me, the knowing I, we talked earlier in the show about self-knowledge I'm good getting good at knowing um what I'm gonna need to get out of something you know what I mean like do Mm -hmm. I just need to step outside for a minute do I need to get a drink of water do I need to leave um you know like and and sometimes obviously you can't do any of those things you're like in a trap Mm -hmm. moment but that's when my meditation really is so strong for me. I have a really, really strong meditation practice and I look at it like this. It's like, it's called a practice because you're practicing learning how to quiet your mind so that when you are being under attack by whatever, a a fever or whatever, that you know how to quiet your mind. Mm-hmm. It's not just because sitting quiet is so great in and of itself. It's so that you have a skill mm-hmm. that you can use when you're out there and shit happens, you okay. know, and then you know what to do. So I, if I'm down on my meditations, I know, I feel it right away, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it also, it helps me become uh, keenly aware of when defects pop up is when, when, when I'm at my quicker. best. Or 
when, when you feel them coming, like you yeah. can, I always like to use the, the whack-a-mole uh, uh, imagery where it's like yeah. I got character defects and they used to pop up a lot in the beginning, like whack-a-mole. And now I hit them with the, the mallet of the program and the tools and they stay down longer. And it doesn't mean they'll never pop up again. Yeah. Some of them don't like lying, lying to you so I can get drunk. That, that defect doesn't pop up anymore because I don't get right. drunk. <laughs> but if my initial urge is to lie to you, I can feel it coming. And I, 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 it's that pause that you get. Um, so uh, Julia, what defects of character have you either worked on or surrendered to the most? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I'll tell you to be just like so transparent. I have been, I've gone to Overeaters Anonymous meetings. Mm. I've gone to Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous meetings. I've gone to Codependent Anonymous meetings. Um, in addition to my AA meetings, I probably could use marijuana anonymous meetings. I know they have some of those. Um, I definitely have character defects. Um, I've struggled with the gossip, you know, telling a secret or just saying something important to make me like, why, you know, um, I struggled for a while. I went through a phase when I was a few years sober. So I was kind of like back in hanging out with people and if I was around people who were drinking, I would say something like, why don't you guys do some shots? And I would be like, you don't have to say that. Like, you don't have to like win these people over with mm -hmm. your like, that you're like, like you're cool on your own. You're a great person. You are kind, you're generous. You spread joy. You don't need to like try to match them on their drinking level to like earn friends. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was that was just a big a, part of my people pleasing. It's like yeah. keep up, gotta keep up with yeah. the Joneses. And mm -hmm. so I struggled with that for a while. Um, you know, just being a, the the kindest person that I can be. I don't have a lot of conflict in my life now, but I feel like I used to. I feel like I used to have more of the drama. I, I remember I would call my sponsor crying. You know what I mean? It's easy to forget when it's been 11 years that like it was tough and I would call her crying and I would be like, and my husband and my kids and my mom, you know, and she'd be like, she'd be, she wouldn't let me stay there. She would say, go make a gratitude list and call me back. And I'd be like, you goodbye. Mm -hmm. Or she'd say, go read a story in the back of the big book and underline the similarities and call me back and we'll discuss it. And like, that was not what I wanted. I wanted mm -hmm. her to listen to my sob story. You can't believe what's happening in my life right now. You know, mm -hmm. um, I just, I don't, I'm, I'm quicker now to be able to get pa past that. I don't want to, I don't want that. Why do I want to sit and think about I don't know. I just have a different energy in my life now. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I've had my fair share of, of character defects for sure. Yeah. It's a, you know, there's a very linear understanding of, um, of the steps initially, and then it becomes far more expansive. Right. And it becomes, and the principles around that and the way that we, um, every defect I have has protected me from something. Yeah, you know, yeah, every yeah. they they just might not be useful now. Like they used to yeah. serve us really well. We needed oh, that. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And so this last round through the steps, one of the things I did is I wrote a letter to my defects, thanking them for all of the things that they've done for me that have been positive. You know, it's like in the, in the seven step prayer, you know, please remove the character defects that prevent me as my sponsor always, she sums it up as remove the character defects that prevent me from being of service. You know, it's like, sometimes we don't know what's going on, but you know, we do have to work on those things in ourselves. And, you know, I, I do love, I love your sponsor's approach to things. Your sponsor seems so like no bullshit in a beautiful way. She really was. She was batshit fucking crazy. And sorry if you're listening to this, but um, she did some stuff that was not who I wanted to be. Like mm. she had some crazy shit, but she was like where I needed to be. Everything happens. I, I don't know. It's beautiful how it works out. She was exactly who I needed mm. for my fourth, for my fifth step. We were doing it at, Dave, you're from Chicago originally, right? Chicago, yep. You know where Omega Restaurant is? You know what that is? The Greek restaurant? Yep. Mm -hmm. We were going to do my fifth step there, and I walked in, and I'm like, it's my day. I'm doing it. And she had her boyfriend there with her, who was also sober, and I had met like once. And I was like, oh, hey. And she was like, go ahead. Go ahead and start. And they're like feeding each other potato skins. And I'm like, and I attacked my mom with a fork and I like gave blowjobs to 10 guys. And like, literally it was what I needed. I tell people that story and they're like, she broke your trust. I was like, that's what I needed. I needed them to literally be like, it is no big deal. Keep talking, keep talking. And then she throws something out. She'd be like, yeah, one time I injected my neck with heroin. Keep going. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, like, this doesn't really matter. Like, this is for me. I need to get this out. Right. I need to say what I'm saying. Everyone's done this stuff. I was at a phase where I was kind of listening to men more than women anyway. Mm. It was good for me to have that guy there and be like, mm-hmm, yep, checks out. No problem. All right. You good? Go home. Read the big book. Make sure you're going through the arch. Bop through. You know, I was like, mm. okay. Like, everything just happens. She was great. But she wasn't perfect either. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she has sponsors and are human. They're and, human and people. I've tried sponsoring like her to other girls mm-hmm. and it's not always effective. Mm-mm. That's not maybe what they need. You know, life's yeah. so complicated. It yeah. is. But you could, you if you really want to stay it. sober, it don't matter what happens. You're going to stay if, sober. Wait, what's the question? If you, no, no, it was just a statement. Oh. I'm just oh, saying, okay. if you want to stay sober, yeah. it don't matter. It don't matter what that person across yep. the table is doing. It don't matter. Like my yes. second sponsor said that he had a sponsor that said some parts of his fourth step in a meeting. And that was a complete uh, break apart of trust. And mm. he is still 30 something years. Like Great. if you want to get and stay sober, you're going to get and stay sober regardless. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. you know. And if you don't, you're going to use any excuse to go you're, the other excuse. direction. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I know that because I did before I got sober. Every excuse under the sun, people, places, and things were the reasons that I drank. Yeah, a hundred percent. I drank at people. Well, I love that you mentioned before forgiveness, and I love that I love that you brought up forgiveness as like challenging both of us to to be more forgiving in situations. And and like, what what is your experience of forgiveness? Hmm. I mean, when I uh got sober. I hadn't been speaking to my mom for like a year. Yeah. And it was the second time that we hadn't spoken. 
And um, when I got to my ninth step, everyone was like, you have to do your mom first. I hear now sometimes people saying things like, who are you going to do now? Who are you going to do later? And who are you going to maybe do never? Like, I'm glad that people said to me, you need to do your mom first. Yeah. And, And I was like, no way. Like, I was like, I'm never doing it. And they were like, first, first off. And I did. And we now have a really, really beautiful relationship. And um, that was my biggest forgiveness in my life Mm -hmm. is the resentment that I had against my mom. And Mm -hmm. I 100% go by the big book in that, you know, story where they said, you know, get on your knees and pray for them for two weeks, every night for two weeks. And pray for them to get what they want yes. is what it says. And I prayed for my mom, let her know that she is loved. Mm-hmm. Let her know that she doesn't have to try so hard. Mm-hmm. Let her not feel like the world is against her. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Which were like crazy. Like I was like more like, I'm going to fucking kill. I told you I attacked her with mm-hmm. a fork. Like I literally was not those, that was not the way I was thinking of her. Um, and I've had to do that. It's not like I just did that one time and then everything was perfect. Like we built a new relationship, you know, um, it was a process. And even with my husband, I I don't know if either of you guys are married, but being married is really hard. And, um, Mm -hmm. I've prayed for my husband for, to get what he needs and forgive him for not being who, my expectation is, mm. I, you know what I mean? Like, I thought you were this and mm-hmm. it's like, well, I'm me. Sorry. You know, it's like, so, I mean, I've worked on forgiving myself, you know, um, stuff comes up on me still where I'll remember a certain thing I did. And I'm like, man, that's bad. You know what I mean? Like stuff that could haunt me. Mm-hmm. And I, again, cannot be effective if I'm sitting around like I'm a, I'm a fuck up or I did stupid shit or, you know, that's who's that helping, you know, Mm -hmm. like God's forgiven me. So I don't know. Forgiveness is, is for us. You know what they say about resentment. It's drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die. I don't know if you guys have heard that one. Oh, I love that one. I was the first name on top of my first four step. I was like, this is the man I hate the most. You personally? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I know. Uh, we don't love my sponsor ourselves. Was like, my sponsor was like, mm, yeah, but we got to get to the other people. <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is, you know, you just talked about making amends to your mom. And like, what was that like the weirdest or hardest amends you've ever made? Or like, what's no. been the most interesting amends you've ever made? Yeah. So, I mean, I knew the one with my mom would be hard and I did it and it went surprisingly well. I mean, parents are resilient. You know what I mean? She was happy to hear from me. And like, you know, we made nothing weird happened. I had a friend that I had, um, I can't, I can't actually say what I did, but it was, she'd asked me to not to do something and I kind of did it. And she was pretty pissed at me about it. And she was like a really close friend that I drank with a lot. We had crazy escapades together. She's not an alcoholic. She doesn't need AA, um, but we did crazy shit. And so Mm -hmm. you would think that that friend would be like, 
oh yeah, you did another crazy shit thing that kind of hurt me, but like, I'm going to forgive you. And so I, I had hers like pretty low on my list and I called her, uh, she was out of town. She lived out of town. We didn't live in the same city at the time. So I had to call her and uh, I, you know, said, look, I feel really bad about that. And I'm sorry. And she was like, I'm not ready. And I was like, what? Like you, we party, you've done stupid shit too. Like, I didn't say that, Mm -hmm. but like in my head, I was like, what the fuck? Like, you're supposed to be my cool friend. You're supposed to be my ride or die. Like you're supposed to be, you know, not taking me to task on shit. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I need some time. She's like, I appreciate that you're owning up to this. And, um, I, I'm glad you want to be a different person. She was like, but I need some time. And Mm -hmm. I got off the phone and I mean, what, I was probably six months sober, eight months. I did my amends right away. I did it quick. I did it. I went for it. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, I didn't want to wait. And, um, I was like, fuck it. I am fucking drinking. This program is bullshit. It doesn't work. She didn't forgive me. And and my sponsor had told me that's not what this was about. You're mm-hmm. not calling these people for them to be like, oh, yes, you're perfect. Everything's great. We're not best friends. It's just like that was not my expectation. And I thought with this one that it was going to be easy. And it wasn't. And I, I was ready to drink. And, you know, luckily I called my sponsor she talked to me a little bit. Um, I don't remember like what her advice was. Probably make a gratitude list, read a story in the back of the big book, get to a meeting. She would always say, can you get to a meeting? And I would always be like, I'm on the phone with you now. Help me. You know, like, what do you mean get to a meeting? I didn't get like, that's where the See, now you could literally be in your bed and go to a meeting. What a time to be alive. Right. It's so much better in person, though. I agree. I love me an in-person. But it's great know. that there's the option. Yeah. Anyway, so I, that was that was a tough amends. And that friend and I are now friends and we've talked about it and whatever, but yeah. it's hard. Like, cleaning I up your side admitting of the street I'm wrong. Yeah. Cleaning up your side of the street. I've, I've got living amends with people. We talked about it on a, another podcast we did. Uh, my living amends is someone asked me to never speak to them again. Man, no wow. matter how bad I want to try to make it right, that was the request. That's tough. Don't, don't ever speak to me again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so the, you know, you write it out in the fourth and then, you know, they're on your list of people you've harmed and then, you know, uh, except when to do so would injure them or others. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was asked to never contact me again. So uh, my living amends is I don't do the things that I did to that person to other people. Yeah, and, wow. And, and whenever I feel it rise up in me that I want to talk to this person, nope, because I was I was requested that I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and that's that's keeping my side of the street clean. You know, um, and that's a spiritual practice. You know, and, and I'm not the best at it, but you know, I I do, I do, I do have the tools. They were given to me, whether I choose mm-hmm. to use them or not. You know, that's debatable. Uh, but yeah. Julia, what does your spiritual practice look like on a day to day basis? Um, I mean, I've shared with you guys about my meditation practice. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest part of it for me. I uh, I don't do it every single day. Um, if I skip two days, I'm like, I got to get to it. You know, it's usually more like every other. Um, I read a lot of spiritual texts. 
Um, I stay really close with the fellowship. So I am about 90% comfortable with the fact that my role in my fellowship is to be the one who reaches out. And sometimes I feel sorry for myself and I'm like, how come more people don't just like reach out to me? And I've had some people over the years who, who could be that person for me, you know? Um, but like, I am great about like, I'll sit down and text a ton of people on like a holiday and be like, happy sober Christmas or on a Friday and be like, have a great sober weekend. See you at a meeting. And it's great. People will text me back or they don't. I don't have an expectation about what's going to happen. Um, it's just nice to put that out there. I sponsor people. I chair a lot of meetings. I like, I almost always have a meeting that I'm chairing. Um, and I'll like drop one and then end up picking up another one. And, um, I just stay really close. I stick with the herd. I, um, yeah, I just try to try to do the things I've been taught to do. You know, I heard someone say at a meeting, so this wasn't my original thought, but I, I really like to share it. Um, a guy said, I'm still doing the same five or six things they asked me to do. Like the first day I came, you know, right. I'm not doing some different shit. I'm not doing some like next level, like, Oh, you guys aren't at this level or, Oh, you don't know about this yet. No, it's like, where we tell everybody up front, like, here's the six things, just do those right. and you'll be great. You know, don't, don't drink, go to meetings, ask for help. For me, asking for help looks like texting 15 friends and saying like, Hey, I hope you're having a great day. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to be like, I'm not, or maybe I am. It doesn't even matter. That's not what it's about. You know, it's just recycling the vibe. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like spreading it around and, and where do I get my strength from my meditation? I get mm -hmm. it all from my higher power. I just, I couldn't do it without that, you know? So, I mean, that's my spiritual practice. And that leads right into the next question. What is your relationship with your higher power? What does it look like? I mean, when um, my, you know, I did the second step and that's, you know, came to believe a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And I was like, mm -hmm. no problem. I have this God. We're best friends. He made weed for me. <laughs> like, you know, we're groovy. Like I had a loving God. Okay. I had like fashioned that for mm -hmm. myself already. Um, and then after I did that fifth step, you know, my sponsor said, go home, read the big book. It says in the big book, after you have shared this, read this right here, you're creating an arch, which you're going to walk through. Have you skimped on steps one, two, three, four, or five? And I was like, I, I feel like I have, I feel like I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. And I went back to three, which I don't think you can ever fully do three until you've done done all of them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a, you need, you can't totally turn it over. You decide mm -hmm. to turn it over. You can't totally turn it over until you, you've gotten through it. So fine. I was like, okay. And I went back to two and I was like, I'm not giving God power. Like, I was like, I think, I think I'm still doing this and I'm not really admitting that I'm not in control. None of this is because of me. Yes. I have choices. Yes. I have free will. God isn't like making me do shit, but as far as like making the petals of a flower open, that wasn't me, you know, like mm -hmm. as far as like that I'm sober now when I tried for years and never worked, 
that's not me, the power. And so my relationship with my higher power changed then. And I was like, I have to give credit where credit is due. Like, like this guy's big. It's someone said to me, if God was small enough for you to understand, he wouldn't be big enough for you to believe in, you know? Mm. And, and someone else said they would go through tough times. And she said, and you know what I did? I made my God bigger. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what I try to do is just make my God as big as I, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna provide for me. I just Mm. have no doubt. And it's just like, so ingrained in me now. I've trained my mind to think that way. And, um, it makes my life great. Like, I don't care if it's like not true or somebody has some evidence that there's no God. Don't tell me. Cause like, this is, this is my trip. Like, that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I know atheists and I know agnostics and I love them and they they're doing their own thing too. And that's great. I don't tell anybody to do what I do. That's why it's so important that that one line is in italics is as we, as, as we understood him. I made this God up and I fucking love it. If you want to use mine, great. But you got your own, do that too. I don't care. Nice. Nice. We made it to the last question. Julia, what is one thing you would tell somebody just like you in the world? So I read that one and it's like so hard because everybody's a little different, you know, everybody needs to hear something different. Um, And I'll actually answer it by saying, I guess, what's kind of a funny story. All my years of sobriety, um, when I would meet someone new after a meeting, like my first year I would sit in the back like this and I had, mm-hmm. I would come in shitty clothes and I would pout and I would be quiet and I would cry. And I would then like, if someone was like nice to me, I'd be like, Oh really? You're nice to me. Like, are you going to help me? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was literally, my attitude was, Oh, you want to help me? I'm going to milk this program for all it's worth. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're going to help me. I'm going to call you every day. I'm mm-hmm. going to like, I, I've like played right into it, but for selfish reasons, you know? Right. And, um, so when, when I got it and I was like, oh, this is, this is great. Um, I got really talkative and when I would meet new people, I'd be like, it's great. And you can do this and come to meetings and just do this and just do this. And this other thing. And it was like, people would glaze over and I couldn't stop myself. And so my sponsor, the one I have now, she suggested, why don't you make up a little card? And so it says, I can't, we can mm-hmm. call me anytime. And it has my phone number and my name, Julia D MC Lil J wrap on tap podcast, check it out. And, um, on the other side, it has the promises. Mm-hmm. And now when I meet people, I'm like, Hey, it's great to meet you. Vibe. Any questions for me? Like, Oh, you working this stuff? Hey, here's my card. Call me anytime. I would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And I try to be, chill because that's what they need. So I'm not being unauthentic, but I want to be useful and I'm still being like, like who do you know that's printing up cards to pass out to new sober people? I'm still mm-hmm. being really aggressive. That's I've still had, every I've had extra. people hand me many a card. Over okay, great. I, it's, it's extra. I, I, was sit, like, I was sitting in a meeting in Maryland and this dude looks at me and goes, hey, you knew? I'm like, fuck no, but I appreciate you asking. <laughs> fuck no. And I actually want to add one other thing. I, we're probably out of time. I don't know if you guys will have to cut this stuff, no. but um, mm. 
this is actually what I also love to say uh, to people who are kind of new, but I think it resonates even more with people who have been sober a while. I'm really better. I speak to sober people better. I think I'm more inspiring to people who have been a little sober than newcomers. But I heard John, My- John Mayer say he's like a little sober. I think he's like California sober, as you call it. I don't know. But he seemed mm-hmm. to have a good take on what sobriety was like when he said this. He said, at the beginning, you're used to all these highs and lows. Okay. And boy, I was. I rode mm-hmm. those waves. I would look at my face. I would be so scrunched up. And then I'd be elated. And then I'd be fucked up. And then I'd be hung over. And then, you know, it was a battle. And he said, you're used to this. He goes, and at the beginning the whole line goes flat, you know, and you're down here and you're like, this is boring. This sucks. But if you work at it, you can bring the whole line up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is the shit. That is what I'm talking about is vibrating up here consistently. You Mm -hmm. know, I don't have the highs and lows. I'm not down here. My line is flat but I'm way up here and I fucking love it. Being sober is the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, that's the best. We did it. We made it through all 12. (laughs) Julia, plug more of your shit. Where can people find you? Okay. So, I mean, I'm on all podcasts, uh, you know, anywhere you can find a podcast rap on tap. Like I got raps there on tap. So excuse the beer reference. Uh, And then uh, MC Lil J. So, you know, kids don't know these days, but an MC used to be a pretty cool thing to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, moves the crowd, you know, master ceremonies, MC, Lil, L-I-L, and then the letter J. Amazing. Amazing. Dave, where can people find you and your stuff? You can find me and all the stuffs at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the things. And you can buy hot sauce from me if you want to support hahahotsauce.com. That money goes directly to the Dave Yates Foundation of paying his bills. Yeah, Mm. I have some. It's great. Bam. And where can people find you and the pod? I love it. You can find the pod at 12Q Pod on all of the social media. You can find us on all of the podcasting platforms. Please rate, review, subscribe. Give us a little, give us a little shout out. Tell your friends. Um, you can find me at Anna V is Fun. That's Anna with two N's on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Annabalanzuela.com. Um, you can find both of us on Facebook, although Dave can't speak back to you. No. Um, I'm in Facebook jail for making more jokes, guys. Uh, I'm doing a 30-day 30 st- 30 stint. My abs are jacked. 14 more days, you'll see me back on Facebook saying oh how gosh. much I hate Facebook. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. And how we end this podcast every time is Julia. If nobody's told you this today, we love you. We love oh, you. Thanks. thanks for doing the pod. I love you guys, too. Thank you. Right back at you. And Dave, uh, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Yuck. <laughs> you... You grump, and if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today, we love you. We love you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yay. Bye. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you.